0: Shalom and welcome to the Union of Messianic Jewish Congregations Weekly Torah Commentary Series. This is Dave Nickel from Congregation Ruach Israel in Needham, Massachusetts. This week our parsha is Parshat Mishpatim. We're starting in Exodus 21 and it takes us all the way through Exodus 24, verse 18. Parshat Mishpatim starts with the pedestrian and ends with the transcendent beginning with acquiring Hebrew slaves and ending with the presence of the Lord appearing in the sight of the Israelites on the mountain in a consuming fire. It consists of a series of commandments and ordinances Moses is to set before the people of Israel. At first glance, these commandments seem arbitrary and random. Treatment of slaves, violent crime, giving of loans, how to eat animals. All of these weren't mentioned in our Parsha. Even rogue oxen have their 15 minutes of fame. The commentator, Rabbi Abraham Ibn Ezra, manages to find an order to this string of commandments. He writes, the essential principle is that no one shall be compelled by violence one who is less powerful than he. The rules begin with the violence exerted on the body by enslavement and continue with various rules that stem from this subject, End quote. According to Ibn Ezra's reading of this, This interpretation of our Parsha is very consonant with values broadly espoused in today's world. It's very widely agreed that the rich should not get special treatment, that the powerful must be prevented from taking advantage of the poor, and that even animals deserve better than cruelty. That justice is so universally valued, if not always achieved, is a beautiful thing about the current zeitgeist in today's world. Maybe Torah is finally infusing our world. Of course, the distance between intention and achievement can feel insurmountable for an individual, how much more for a civilization. But there's another subtle message in our Parsha that is less comprehensible to modern ears, which our world nevertheless needs to hear. The first hint is where the text discusses a Hebrew slave in 21.2, leaving open the question of slaves that are not Hebrews. Later, God forbids the charging of interest but not universally, the text says, if you lend money to my people, to the poor among you, do not act toward them as a creditor, exact no interest from them. Compare the uh, parallel passage in Deuteronomy, which does in fact explicitly allow charging interest to foreigners. And further uh, further on, we come across this unexpected phrasing, where it says in 23.6, you shall not subvert the rights of your needy in their disputes. Why you're needy? Why does this not apply to anyone who is needy? I believe these wordings hint at something that was likely assumed by the original readers of the text, but that is quite passé, even heretical, in our times. The idea that your ethical obligations to your tribe or people differ from even exceed your obligations to outsiders. Writing on the commandment, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself, is found in Leviticus 19.18, Rabbi Karl Kinbar argues that our neighbor refers specifically to a fellow Israelite as opposed to, say, whoever lives next door. He writes, when neighbor is defined as whoever happens to be our neighbor, or all humanity, we fail to account for the reciprocity that exists between members of the Jewish people. In the Torah, love is a responsibility, a benefit, and in a sense the glue that binds the community together. Love, as envisioned by the Torah, functions fully only within a community of mutual obligation. That's from Rabbi Kinbar's uh, First Steps in Messianic Jewish Ethics, Understanding Ethics Through Our Obligation to Love from the Hashivenu Forum in 2013. Rav Kinbar goes on to examine Yeshua's teaching on the commandment and the frequent commands to love one another throughout the apostolic writings, and makes a compelling case that in a sound Messianic Jewish ethics, we are first and foremost responsible for other members of the Covenant community. Practically speaking, most of us understand that it's natural to care more for your own children than for other people's children, for example. But this concept of a hierarchy of ethical obligation has been lost to the contemporary political moral discourse so that some people truly don't believe that they have a right to show favoritism in their charitable donations, or, to use a more politically charged example, the right to favor citizens of their country over non-citizens for various benefits. In our own communities, we have sometimes forgotten that our primary obligations are to fellow Jews. To this point, the late Rabbi Jonathan Sachs wrote very eloquently on the importance of particularism against the Platonic ideal of universality, In his book, The Dignity of Difference, he points out that the Bible sees the beginning of God's work of redemption in his relationship with one flesh and blood family, that of Abraham. He writes, The universality of moral concern is not something we learn by being universal, but by being particular. Because we know what it is to be a parent loving our children, not children in general, we understand what it is for someone else, somewhere else, to be a parent loving his or her children, not ours. There is no road to human solidarity that does not begin with moral particularity. By coming to know what it means to be a child, a parent, a neighbor, a friend, we learn to love humanity by loving specific human beings. There is no shortcut." End quote. That certainly does not mean that we have no moral obligation to outsiders far from it. Sachs continues by quoting our parsha, "You shall not oppress a stranger, for you know the heart of the stranger. You yourselves were strangers in the land of Egypt, from Exodus 23.9. The Torah goes even further elsewhere, commanding us to love the stranger, for example, in Deuteronomy 10.19. But in the end, mitzvot, commandments, or any ethical obligations need a community to function properly, and they in turn hold that community together. Hence, the word mitzvah is said to be related to the word savta, meaning bond or connection. Though our contemporary society might have a passion for ethics and doing what's right, without an understanding of the social dimension of human life, that is, that we are not simply individuals, but that our families, communities, and nation make up part of our core identities, we have lost a key ingredient for making ethics comprehensible. This has led to deep pathologies in our ability to have political conversations. It has also, in my opinion, caused widespread feelings both of impotence and guilt among well-intentioned people who feel unable to navigate this web of competing ethical demands. Another way to put this might be that our well-intentioned desire to eliminate differences is destined to fail, because it goes against the grain of human life. What our world needs to hear from Parashat Mishpatim is not just what it says, important as those things are for building a just society, but what it assumes. That is, that the society we are building is made up of people mutually obligated to each other. If that is not the case, the rest may be for naught. Rabbi Sachs, in his more recent book, Morality, Restoring the Common Good in Divided Times, sums it up this way. Tip O'Neill used to say, all politics is local. Morality is likewise. That is, at any rate, is where it begins, among families and friends and neighbors. Morality places a limit on individualism. Morality, at its core, is about strengthening the bonds between us, helping others, engaging in reciprocal altruism, and understanding the demands of group loyalty, which are the price of group belonging, end quote. May this be an encouragement to us to redouble our efforts toward building strong communities of mutual love and commitment. You can't make stew without a pot. Our primary ethical obligations, those communal and local, must be observed before we are prepared to offer anything to the stranger and outsider. Only by loving our neighbor can we fulfill the commandment in our partial that sums up all the others. You shall be a holy people to me. This is Dave Nichol. Thanks for listening. Signing off. Wishing you a Shabbat Shalom. For more commentaries, please check out umjc.org commentaries.